Children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Okay, you guys, welcome, Jamie. We are so excited to have you. You guys, Jamie Anderson is here with us today, and Jamie is a professional snowboarder. She's actually from Lake Tahoe as well, but she's from Southside. I'm from Northside. If you are from Tahoe, you know what that means. If you're not, it means nothing to you. <laughs> she won the gold medal in the inaugural Women's Slopestyle event in 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. And I was actually there and got to see that. That was amazing. And then again in the South Korea 2018 Winter Olympics, making her actually the first snowboarder to win more than one Olympic gold medal, which is amazing. So many amazing things about you, Jamie. She also has won multiple medals, many of them gold in Slopestyle at the Winter X Games. She also also is one of eight siblings, which we're going to talk about today, you guys, and the most free-spirited human we have ever met, which is something that we absolutely love about her. Welcome, Jamie, to I Am a Champion. Thank you, April and Rose. So nice to see you, beautiful women. Oh, you are <laughs> one of the first people we thought of that we wanted you to come and just share your heart and soul with the kids. Oh, thank you for the grommets. Right? Exactly. Tell the kids, like, how did you even get into snowboarding? You know, I think a lot of kids are trying to figure out even like what sport they're going to do. Maybe they do a lot of sports. Like, how do you even choose that? Or how did you get into it? Maybe you telling your story will help them see if they can see themselves in your shoes. Yeah. So I'm one of eight. I have five sisters and two brothers. So we were really fortunate to grow up in the Tahoe area, but because we had such a big family, my parents weren't really letting us pick and choose any sport. It was actually a privilege to do sports in our family. So my mom actually made us wait till we were 10 and then we could pick one sport, whether it be skiing or gymnastics or volleyball. Before I got into snowboarding, I we were all homeschooled, so we got to play outside all the time. And I did gymnastics. And through that, I got into snowboarding. The coach at our gymnastics had a daughter around our age. I was nine. And my sisters who I snowboarded with, Joan and Stace, were 11 and 13. The coach was so nice. My family didn't really have a lot of financial support to buy all the ski equipment and season passes because snowboarding and skiing is such a luxury sport. So we actually got some hand-me-downs given to us and that kind of led us into snowboarding. And thankfully, our home mountain, Sierra Tahoe, was our first sponsor and they knew we came from a big family. So they helped with the season pass, with all the expenses. So that's how we kind of naturally got into snowboarding. And at that age, in the winter, I was also loving volleyball, but I had to choose snowboarding or volleyball. And I loved the mountain. It was kind of right at the beginning. I like saw what my sisters were doing and really followed in their footsteps and then found the mountain to be my saving grace, my place to go play and hang out with my friends and explore the mountain, all while falling in love with this new sport and having this strong passion for 
progressing and we'd go in the woods and build jumps, try to do tricks and talk about someday traveling the world and competing in pro events. So that was kind of like the beginning of starting sports for me. Oh, I love this beginning story. It reminds me so much of Torres, my sisters. I bet you there's so much gratitude because it wasn't just so easy for you. I kind of see that now in your life. You seem just fully grateful for everything. I think so. I think for us, like growing up in a big family and all of us having responsibility to like help the household, we all had our chores. We helped our mom run her lawn care business in the summer. And it kind of gave us that like independence and strength as a kid. And I don't think we did take it for granted. I think we were really, really grateful to be able to go play on the mountain. And eventually we started doing the local competitions. And I really think we were so grateful because we did have to work hard for it. And we had to save money in the off season and try to get to these competitions and such. And it gave us something that we really wanted to work towards. And like if I'd get in trouble or do something at home, my mom would be like, no snowboarding today. And I was like, no, like I have to go snowboarding. Like what? Oh, that's what my seven-year-old son says now. We ask him, we're like, what would be the worst thing that could happen to you? The worst punishment? And he's like, that you wouldn't let me skateboard. Oh, (laughs) so when you were talking back in your young days, like dreaming, you were starting to talk about what if, like, what if we could travel the world? You know, now you're doing it. You're inspiring so many people, but who inspired you? Who were some of your big inspirations when you were dreaming, just dreaming? Well, when I was really little, like 10 to 12, when I kind of started to like get a grip on like what pro snowboarding was, I really admired the women pro snowboarders. I loved your sister, Tora. I loved Jana Mayan, Tara Dikitas, pretty much any girl who had gone that path. I thought she was just the most amazing, like badass snowboarder I'd ever seen. And I had Tara Dikitas' poster on my wall. And I remember meeting her when I was pretty young. And I was just like, wow, that girl is so cool. She had like her nose pierced. And I don't know. And I just admired that because growing up, I was such a tomboy. And I, I loved embracing my like, feminine side, but I was also like such a little boy that it took a little while to get comfortable being a girl in a more male dominated sport. But I know it definitely made me tougher hanging out with all the boys and learning tricks with them. And when I crashed, they wouldn't really give me a lot of time to cry or anything. I love those stories that you tell. And I think that it's really inspirational to people that are going, you know, groms, like you said, that are going through similar things. Like you are so good at being yourself and owning it. And I know that hasn't always been easy for you. Can you maybe just talk about growing up when it was really hard? And now, of course, that you're older, we all like as we get older, that gets easier. But when you're young and you're trying to, like you said, be a female in a kind of male dominated sport or the things that we kind of go through? Can you kind of talk about what that was like as a kid and how you found yourself and found how important that is? Yeah. So when I was younger, I was homeschooled up until seventh grade when I was about 12. And I really wanted to go to school. And I kind of begged my mom to because wanted to hang out with other friends and whatever you do at school. I thought I was missing out on something. And when I went to school, 
because I was friends with all the like skater and snowboarder boys, I like instantly got accepted into like the cool crew or like maybe like the preppy girl crew. And at first everyone was really nice to me and really welcoming. And within that like short year of school, I ended up dealing with a lot of bullying and a lot of really malicious, like mean behavior, which I wasn't used to because of course I fought with my sisters at home or like our neighborhood crew, but it was all a lot of love. And when I went to school and experienced like getting picked on because I was outgoing and athletic and a pretty cute little girl, I I didn't really know how to deal with it. I was really hurt. I was really upset. I knew school and stuff was bad, but I didn't think it would be that bad. And it really hurt me for a while. And I decided I wanted to put all these people that were mean or judging me or saying hurtful things behind my back. I wanted to put that into my snowboarding and realize that I want to be around really good friends. And I don't care if I have a big popular group of friends or a couple really quality friends. And I don't know if any of you youngsters are dealing with crews and clicks and vibes. I know when I was dealing with that, I just decided to say, screw all the stuff that doesn't feel good. I'm just going to be around the people that have my back, that support me and that want to have fun. Because all I really wanted to do and all I still want to do is have fun and live life to the fullest. So I honored that part. I spent so much time at Sierra. I went back to homeschool because I realized the public school system was just a little bit too hectic. And I put all my energy into like being the best snowboarder I could be. And I was 13. And that year I like got a last minute chance to qualify for X Games, which was like at the time, like that was the Olympics of snowboarding. And I somehow qualified. I was going to be the youngest athlete to ever compete in X Games. And it was kind of around that time of dealing with like mean girls and things that I was like, ah, like wanted to like run to the mountains and be around people that were just more kind and nice. And I felt like that was really the start point of like, I can see this future. Like I'm going to X Games. I want to get sponsored and travel. And it kind of let me use this good energy for something greater and not let any of the drama or the bad things that maybe were happening at school or even some dramas at home, I could kind of let that go and move forward. Yeah. I get goosebumps every time I hear this story, Jamie. It's such a story of just turning pain into purpose and it could have gone so many different ways. I'm so proud of you. I bet you're (laughs) proud of your young self for choosing that too. Oh, I'm like, and it was hard at times. I remember just being pretty sad and feeling left out and feeling so vulnerable. And then I think like deep within, I kind of had a little bit of anger and a little bit of sass of like, no one's going to tear me down. Like, screw all you. Yes. Walking my path. Yes. Oh, there's going to be so many kids watching, but parents are going to be listening to this too, Jamie. And I want to know if you can think of a few things like what did your mom do right just if there's a couple of things that you're like yes that's what I'm going to do with my kids for sure oh gosh my mom did a lot of things right and gosh I can't even imagine what it was like to raise eight kids one point I think she had four teenage girls and I'm like 
have compassion for you, mom. (laughs) Gosh, but I think like from the get-go, she really encouraged us to like work on our character and be the best people we could be. She wasn't so worried about like reading a book by age six or like she didn't really care about all of those things. She knew that like time would come and she wanted us to learn about nature and about our personalities and how to get along with each other because having a big family, there can be quite a bit of turmoil in the house. And I think she also really encouraged us to be humble and work hard and never take anything for granted. And we grew up in a very like spiritual household, started with going to church when we were younger. And then my parents split up and we didn't so much go to like Christian church anymore, but we still prayed and gave thanks and maintained a connection to a source greater than ourselves. And I think that's something I really honor my mom for and have so much appreciation of teaching us those tools at a young age that we're not alone. And when we are afraid or we have hard things to go through, like we can pray, we can journal, we can go outside and take a walk to like clear our energy. And she really like raised us in a very holistic way. Like now that there are things like Waldorf schools and like cool ways to raise kids naturally. I'm like, wow, my mom was doing that like back in the 80s and 90s before it was really popular. And I definitely think that like her teachings at a young age has helped me grow up into the woman I am today. That's amazing. You know, being a mom, it's so hard because you go through life sometimes and it just comes and comes and comes. And then to hear these stories, it it just reminds you like, okay, we have to get back to like teaching those things because they are so important. And if you don't have, you know, a mom or dad out there, I mean, that's that is doing that for you. That's what we really wanted this a place to be for you guys to hear like you can still learn these things, even if you don't have a parent that's doing that for you. And actually, speaking of mindset, maybe you can take us through what do you do on like competition days or even like when you're learning a new trick, like what kind of mindset tricks do you have that really help you with that? Yeah, gosh, mindset is so powerful. I feel like when I'm getting ready for a big competition or I'm working towards a new trick, I feel like my attitude has so much power way more than I think. If I'm afraid or feeling doubtful, it makes it really hard for me to trust my ability. And sometimes I am that way. I feel afraid or I feel a lot of pressure. But what I usually do to try to get myself to like a strong place is talk yourself into it. I talk myself into a lot of like positive thoughts and I journal a lot. And sometimes I'll just feed myself good affirmations and A lot of times it'll start with like, I'm afraid or I don't know if I can do this. And then I kind of flip it like self psychiatry. I don't know where I'll kind of almost come from a kind place in my deep self of like, hey, like you got this. You can do this easy. And I'll kind of like reaffirm myself that I can go win the Olympics and I can go do this. And even if it's scary goals, I think having the power to like, Even if you don't have to say it out loud, saying it to yourself and believing in yourself can go a long way. And I think I use tools like that to make myself not only like perform good, but to be happy because life is precious. And I think all of us are thriving to find purpose and to feel happy. And I think dealing with some of that drama and bullying when I was younger, it even made me want to be a nicer person and not make anyone feel bad. So 
when I'm working on tricks or trying to go to a competition, I think all those things play a role. Taking care of yourself, eating good, sleeping good, being nice to your family, being nice to someone if you see them getting picked on or maybe if someone feels lonely. I think all those things go into feeling your best self so that when I am out there, I can feel good and do good. Mm. I feel like kids, if you guys are listening, that was just some really easy tips and tools to take home to start today. So simple, right? I think we make life so complicated sometimes, but what you just said, that's literally the secret and it's so simple. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Did you have any visionaries in your life? People that maybe you remember their words to you. So not your own words, but were there people in your life that just spoke belief into you that maybe believed in your potential, like your champion soul, which you for sure have, you know, before the proof was there? I'm curious. I would say people like my parents and my siblings, like we really had a like strong family support. We always said family first. And I would say the people that believed in me the most way before I had any results was my mom. Like even the very first day I went snowboarding, I like remember so vividly her like saying a little prayer on the way up to Sierra on Echo Summit of just something very simple. Help me have a fun day and stay protected and safe and like find the joy in it. And even though I was only nine, like over 20 years ago, I just remember that simple act of kindness and just like straight up sending love. She didn't care if I was going to go be a champion. She probably just wanted me to go get exercise (laughs) so I would get along better with my siblings. I was a middle child growing up. So I think I had a little bit of struggle with like fitting in and managing my hyperactive ADHD mayhem. But I remember my mom really encouraging that and knowing that like if you're good in here and if you're loving and kind, you're a champion altogether. And I don't think she had any idea that me or my sisters would go on to compete and win events together. But I think just having that just straight up like a good mentor. She's been like a good inspiration. Have you and your sisters always gotten along really well? Have they always been happy for you and your success? Or has there there been some rivalry between you guys? When we were younger, there was definitely a bit more rivalries, I'd say, in our teenage years when maybe some of my sisters weren't as inspired to compete, but they were really good. And I was really like hungry to compete. So I started to get a little bit of attention and hype. And I think that created a little bit of conflict in our like sister relationship. And thankfully it all cleared, but I think being young and wanting to like stand out, especially from a big family, there's like a little bit of tension, but I would say nothing that thankfully like came between our relationships, but we, we had to learn to accept that we're all on different paths and everyone's journey is perfect, even if they're different Now that we're older and my sisters are starting to have little ones and I'm still freaking traveling and competing, I feel like we're all even closer than ever. Oh, I love that. I mean, Rowie and I can totally relate to that because Julia is my younger sister, obviously. And when she started to beat me, man, it was hard for me. But then I really became something that I wanted to just be part of and help her. And I just wanted more than anything for her to have the success. But I think 
when you're young, especially if you're doing the same sports as your siblings, that can definitely be hard. But I find that when the siblings do start to support each other, they all start to do better, you know, like, so it's good to, to harness that together. So I'm glad you guys got that all figured out. Yeah. We all rise by lifting others. That's a mantra I make my kids say. It is true. It's so true. Coming from somebody that didn't do a judge sport, I would love to hear your take on like, how do you deal with a judge sport? Has it always been easy? Or is it sometimes that you have to just use your mindset tools to kind of help you get through some of that too? Yeah, it's funny you say that because my sister Joni competed in border cross and she'd always say like, whoever's at the bottom first wins. There's no judging. There's no lollygagging. But yeah, for me, I think I just have to know that like the judging is out of my control and out of my hands. And the only thing I have power of is doing my best and putting it all out there. And I tried to remind myself at a young age that if I go out there and do the best that I can, no matter what the scores are or what the judges think, I want to be proud of myself. And that's kind of like the mentality I usually have. Even when I'm competing against girls that might have more tricks than me, I try to just like remember what I can do and not get jealous or insecure or discouraged because it's so easy for our minds to play tricks on us. So remember, you guys have the power over your mind and you can do whatever you want. So be careful with your thoughts. They're really, really powerful. Yeah. Jamie, do you have a moment, a story you could share, maybe a defining place in your career where maybe things weren't going as what you expected, but you made a decision? I don't know. Maybe there's not something like that, but is there any like defining moment? Gosh, I would say like a pretty powerful moment in like my young age going through all this was when I was 17, I had a bad accident at the US Open. I had a weird crash where I just caught my toe edge and face planted really hard, but I ended up rupturing my spleen. And it was a really, really traumatic experience. I had to go to the emergency room and spend like 10 days in ICU. And it was right around the time of my life where I was starting to accumulate a lot of awards and money and cars and all kinds of stuff. And I was just finishing high school. It was like all these great things were starting to happen. And I, I think I got a little caught up in my ego, in my head. And this terrible accident happened. And it really like brought me right back to the most simple life of barely being able to walk or run. And I just remember having such an appreciation for my body, you know, and I always cared about my health. But I think around that age, I was eating a lot of junk food and not really caring about health. And after that, I was only 17, 18. But I learned about acupuncture, because I know our organs are so important. And I wanted to learn more about how to heal them. And at that time, I learned about acupuncture and Chinese herbs and yoga kind of flowed into that same time. That was kind of the point in my life where I realized I really wanted to be an athlete, but I really wanted to like honor myself, take really good care of my body, treat my body like, as my mom would say, like the best race car you ever have. And she always encouraged me to like not be afraid of spending money on organic food or body care or anything to help me because in doing so, it's going to help my overall like life performance. So I think honoring yourself and really 
valuing what you put in your body, what you drink, the type of people you surround yourself with. It all is really important for how you grow in life. Speaking of nutrition, do you have any pre-comp meals or ways that you eat or the day of the competition? Or what's your kind of view of nutrition and stuff that you put in your body? Yeah, I love nutrition and cooking. I've always loved to cook since I was really young. And when I'm on tour and on the road and trying to just be in like peak performance, I try to eat really clean. I'm not on a specific diet. I eat a little bit of meat and fish and definitely like all the carbs and stuff, but I try to just eat really whole food. So if I'm going to make fries, maybe toss them in the oven or bake them with some olive oil and spices, or I'll do a lot of soups in the winter, lots of like nourishing food with a lot of spices and herbs. A lot of those like Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs are really good for your organs and digestion. And especially in the winter can be so cold. So I like to eat a lot of seasonal food, maybe squash, root vegetables, quinoas, lots of different beans. I've been learning more about Ayurvedic food, which is awesome. And usually the day of a competition, I don't like to eat a lot before because I'm so nervous. I'll usually have maybe like tea and a smoothie or something that has nutrients in it, but it's easy to digest. There's no way I could eat eggs and potatoes before because I'm just too excited. But yeah, I like to have something light and nourishing. I like to listen to my music, focus, maybe use some nice like oils or something to relax me. And then after competition, I'll usually have a big meal. And always in the altitude, I try to drink a lot of water and just kind of add good things to my diet, maybe like coconut waters or juices, not as much in the winter, but now that spring is here. But yeah, nothing too specific. Just try to keep it good and also like see how I feel, like listen to what my body's craving. Yes. I think the faster any young athlete can learn how to do that, the better. It sounds like you've really mastered that. You kind of talked a little bit about some rituals you have, but if you can elaborate maybe a little bit more for the kids out there listening, like, do you have a specific you've talked a little bit about like the words you speak to yourself, but is there a specific mindset ritual that you have? Like you talked about music. I'm guessing you meditate, maybe lead us through your rituals. I would say like a nice ritual, like self-care morning would look like waking up. Usually I try to think about the things I'm happy for when I wake up instead of things that might scare me or stress me out. And I usually like to take a hot shower in the morning, especially if I'm nervous for this competition or getting ready for the day ahead. I find the water to be very meditative, clear anything that might not feel good and set intentions for the good day. I like to do things like, I don't know if the kids really know or care, but like oil pulling, I do a lot in the morning. And often if I'm like in Colorado and it's really dry, I'll do like an oil massage And not always, but sometimes I'll have notes on my mirror, like positive notes, especially if you really need them, like an Olympic year, if you're working really hard towards a goal, I think it's really good to have little reminders sometimes on your phone, on your mirror. And then music is really big. I find myself not so much sitting and meditating, but trying to use the mindfulness and meditation through my day of like cooking or brushing my teeth. Also this year, I've been really trying to just 
not be in a hurry. Just take my time. Even if I'm a little bit late or not the first one at practice, I am okay with that. And just trying to like feel as happy and peaceful in each moment because you don't want to waste too much energy being in a hurry or being afraid. And yeah, I feel like those are kind of like my daily rituals. Sometimes if I can, like I like to get outside and go for a walk, maybe like check the conditions of the day if it's windy or snowy or whatever. And I find all those little things kind of help me just be in the moment and pay attention to what's happening right around us. Because as much as we can dream and set goals, I think in life, it's learning to be content in each step of the way and not only working towards the outcome. I think it's really the journey that can be fun and and the after part, but like all of it and learning to be happy and enjoy yourself along the way, I think is key. You're so good at that, actually. I always watching you compete or just in life, just having fun and also surrendering to the outcome. Talk about that because I think as a, a competitor, it's sometimes can be hard. Like, just like you said, like sometimes it's so focused on the outcome, the outcome, and we forget to like enjoy the journey or whatever. And maybe you can talk about like, how do you find the fun? How do you surrender? Like, how do you be super competitive, but also like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, letting there's this balance. Yeah, letting go. It's so You're so oh. good at that. I love it. I think it's been like a lot of years of trial and error. I think no matter what we're doing in life, we're constantly learning. And I think when I was younger and so like excited and hyper and wanting to like go, 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 I've just kind of started to learn that like no matter what we do, things are out of our power. We can put our best out there and set ourselves up. But I think learning to surrender, like you said, is accepting what is knowing that like, we're not the creators, we're just here on our journey and doing the best we can. And I don't want to like put my happiness in the hands of a result. And even though I want to work hard and be my best, I have to have that like acceptance that sometimes things don't always go your best, or sometimes you're just not having a good day. And maybe you need to be a little mad at yourself, which is okay, but like not holding on to it, not letting any Thing bring you down more than it needs to. And just taking it moment by moment. I feel like in the past, I took things really seriously. And I'd get so nervous and stress out about flights. And then after some time, I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna enjoy life, like kick back, or if you're hurrying to an event, and it's late, you kind of just start to realize like, wow, you waste so much energy being nervous or being in a hurry. And then there's no purpose. Just enjoy your life. Take your time. Smell the roses. Look out for your friends along the way. <laughs> oh, I wish I had you as my mentor when I was little. I just love hearing. I've been hanging on every word, but the kids, they got you. <laughs> They're getting you. Oh, okay. I'm oh, really... I love I the grubs. <laughs> I know you do. That's why you were one of the first people we wanted to have on this podcast. Oh, and I am so curious to see what you're going to say to this last question, Jamie. What does champion mean to you? Oh, what does champion mean to me? I truly think being a champion is being your own best version of yourself. You don't have to go win the Olympics or win awards, but be your most authentic, loving, kind self and look out for those around you and you are a champion. 
Oh, I love that. And you're the living proof of that, really. That's, mm-hmm. I, I think, another reason why we wanted you as one of our first guests is you remind April and I of our sisters. You, all mm-hmm. you three girls, you have such this like ability, your energy, the joy, it just comes from you. And I think the more kids who can feel good about themselves, like you said earlier, then you can do good. And I think you've given so many beautiful tips to like actually take home and and work on. And I can tell that, you know, my mom used to say this to us when we were kids, like the sport, it doesn't matter. It's just a vehicle to self-mastery. And I've just watched you, right? (laughs) I've watched you do that. Like I remember when you first came on the scene and I'd be cheering my sister on at the X Games. And it's just been, if I could have a kid grow up like you, You're so sweet. I feel like you've got the secret to life. So thank you for sharing like all your tips and your stories. There's going to be some kids out there who it really makes an impact. And just like that prayer your mom said for you, they'll remember some of your words forever. So thank you for joining this tribe. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jamie. We love you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for creating this platform. I'm so happy to share it with all the groms that I love and care about. I feel like that's why you love the groms so much because you're like actually still a grom. I am a full grown up <laughs> grom. <laughs> I'm a full grown grom. Full grown grom. <laughs> that's like a thing. Oh, that's awesome. I do. I almost feel like I am actually like 16, but just a little bit more mature in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so oh. much. Thank you, guys. So nice to see you. Thank you so much for listening to I Am A Champion podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We are on all platforms, and we really appreciate it. You can also find us on IG and TikTok at I Am A Champion podcast and YouTube at I Am A Champion. Until next time, remember, you are all champions, leaving you with high fives, big hugs, and big belief. April and Rowena. Who am I? I am a champion.